Welcome to the Arrive Podcast, the U.S. Immigration Law Podcast for Canadians. I'm your host, Jeremy Richards, along with fellow U.S. immigration lawyer, Christine Jerusik. Today we're going to be talking about permanent resident status in the United States, or what is referred to as a lawful permanent resident, or what most people refer to as a green card holder. A green card holder is an individual who has permanent status to live and work in the United States. They enjoy basically all the benefits of a U.S. citizen other than you don't have the right to vote, um, you don't have to be a participant on a jury, but then you enjoy the obligations of paying taxes in the United States. You can't be president. You can't be president, but you can live and work here just like anybody else in the United States. And that's why people want to become permanent residents uh, is for the ability to live and work in the United States and eventually become a U.S. citizen. If you if abide choose, by the rules yeah. and, and you want to apply for citizenship, eventually you can become a U.S. citizen. And Christine, right, you started your path to U.S. citizenship this way. You started as a permanent resident and then eventually became a U.S. citizen. That's right. I married an American citizen, and for three years, I was a permanent resident of the United States until I was eligible for naturalization, and I've been through the naturalization process, and I became a citizen. And I was born in the United States, so if you're born physically in the United States, you're automatically a U.S. citizen. So there are different paths to that, and that's a conversation for another day, but one of the paths starts with permanent resident status. And there are some obligations that come with being a permanent resident in the United States. And that's what we really want to talk about today is what are those obligations as a permanent resident? How do you maintain your green card in the United States? And typically you're, you get a green card or permanent resident status in the United States through two methods, w through employment. So you have an employer who sponsors you for a green card or an immediate family member sponsors you for a green card. And we use the term green card interchangeably with permanent residence status because the card you get to evidence your status is actually green. Now it is. It used to be a slight In shade of yellow. Of colors, <laughs> yeah, but it currently years. is green. And I think originally when the process started, it was green as well. So um, that's just the card that you get that evidences that you are a permanent resident that you would use to show an employer or a border officer when you're entering the U.S. It's like a nexus card or a passport. It's proof of your valid status. That's right. And so if you're sponsored by an employer through, there's methods by which an employer can sponsor you, you're able to receive a green card. Uh, also, the most common family members that you'd be sponsored by, you see a spouse sponsoring a spouse, uh, sponsoring their children, sponsoring their mother or father. And then you could also sponsor your, your brothers or sisters, but that process takes a long time. Uh, through those methods, you're able to become a, a green card holder or permanent resident in the United States. And once you do, there are certain obligations that attach to becoming a permanent resident in the United right, States. Right. There's benefits to it, um, but there's also obligations. So with, with anything, uh, as with anything, and one of those obligations is um, you're going to have to file a tax return in the United States as a permanent resident. So you have obligations with taxes. You also have obligations with residency too. You're supposed to spend the majority of your time in the United States. And this is probably the biggest issue that we see with permanent residents 
that are Canadians as well. So they're Canadian citizens, they have a Canadian passport, but then they're also a U.S. permanent resident. And they like to live what we call the cross-border life. They like to go right, back and yeah. forth. The Canadians love to travel to the U.S. and back to Canada. And well, it's it's right there. And, yeah. uh, you know, the United States is, is in Canada's backyard. So And they develop a lifestyle of going back and forth. You hear about the snowbirds, right? Snowbirds going down for the winter to escape the Canadian winter, to go down to Florida and to the nice weather. They often have a place down in Florida or they'll take their trailer down there for the winter to escape the harsh winters in Canada. So the cross-border life and how do you live that cross-border life and how do you maintain your permanent residence well, status when you do it? The problem is that both the immigration system in Canada and the United States and, and the similar on both sides, they don't really recognize a cross-border life as a lifestyle. They want you to choose a place where you're living, where you are a resident of, and that is going to be your primary residence. You, you can't live in the United States and not live in the United States at the same time as a permanent resident. Right. right. You actually have to live in the United States to have permanent residence. And that's where we see most of the problems arise. If somebody obtains permanent resident status to live in the United States, but then they don't want to move here. They just want to visit and come and, and preserve that opportunity to move to the U.S. That's how they right, say, in the I future, have this in my back choose. pocket. I don't want to move right now, but eventually I will. That's problematic. Why? Because as a permanent resident, you're supposed to spend at least 50% of your time in the United States, physically living here, working here, have a house, have a bank account, have a life in the United States. Those are the obligations of being a permanent resident. You are supposed to have your permanent ties in the United States when you become a permanent resident. And we see a lot of the times people want to push that, push that and push that and say, you know what? I want to become a permanent resident. I want to live in the U.S., but not just yet, not just yet. And that's where you run into problems because they're spending far more of their time in Canada than they are in the United States. And if you do that, then you're not meeting the residency requirement in the United States. So we, we get that question all the time. How can I, perm how can I move to the U.S.? I want to move to the U.S., well, what's your purpose of moving it to the U.S.? Oh, I I just don't like the winter in Canada. Well, do you need a permanent become a permanent resident to do that as a Canadian? No, that's the that's the snowbird life. So, luckily, as Canadians, we get to spend six months out of every year in the United States as a visitor. That's something that we're permitted to do. So you can very easily, you know, plan your life around spending six months in the U.S. and six months in Canada. And maintain your residence in Canada, maintain all your, your lifestyle in Canada, and just be a visitor to the United States. There are some downsides to that. You can't work when you're here in the U.S. As a visitor, you don't have the ability to work in the United States. Um, so that would be one thing you could not do. But there's, you know, you also don't have to pay taxes in the United States. So that's, a, that's an upside. And you'll also be able to preserve your health insurance in Canada, which is based on your residency as well. So... That's something else to consider. So those people that want to come to the United States and they're simply doing it to escape the winter, you can buy a place in, in Florida or Texas or wherever it is that you want to go buy your summer home. And you can come across with your or winter RV home or your winter. Home. Sorry, <laughs> not summer winter home. They always go back to Canada in the winter in the summer because that's the better weather uh, in the summer. Right. You don't need permanent residence to live that lifestyle. 
and, and to do that, you can do it strictly as a visitor. You've just got to keep an eye on, on the time and make sure you're not spending more than six months in the United States. Yeah. And it's a little bit complicated now because of COVID and the ability to go back and forth, but you can still do it. There's, there's loopholes. Uh, you can fly down. You can't necessarily drive right now, but you can still fly down. Yeah. And we saw that this winter with a lot of, uh, um, inventive people starting up helicopter service to fly Canadians across the border from St. Catharines to Buffalo. Um, and then people transporting their vehicles across the border for them, Americans doing that and, and getting them into the, into the United States. Um, I think there was actually, uh, uh, truck transport or, or car transports bringing the cars across the border as freight for these people. And then they could pick up their car in Buffalo and, and make the rest of their trip to Florida with all their goods. Yeah, and people flying to Florida from Toronto and then flying back to Buffalo and then driving back to avoid quarantine. Yeah, there's yeah, all people were sorts creative of creative ways to avoid the COVID uh, quarantine rules and to, to live that cross-border life. So we see this far too often, far too often, where individuals have a green card, they obtained it maybe through a parent or, or a sibling, and it takes a long time to get it. So I don't fault these individuals or for an employer, trying to do this yeah. or through an employer. It's hard to get a green card. It's it's very difficult to get. So they get it and they want to keep it at all costs. So but we'll they're get, not ready to move to the U.S. Correct. They don't want to give up their Canadian benefits or their Canadian life or whatever it is they have in Canada to go to the U.S. just yet. Yeah, a lot of them, you know, maybe their kids are still in school and they don't want to leave their children behind. Want to wait till they graduate. Right, they're trying to keep the card until they can retire. Um, there are ways to do it, but you have to be very careful. You have to be. And uh, when you do that, you you put your status in in jeopardy. And it's really not designed for that. It's not designed for you to have this green card sitting in your pocket to use whenever you decide you want to use it. And when you run into that situation, uh, we get calls from people that say, hey, I have a green card. I got it five years ago. And I want to go back to the U.S. now. Well, that raises some concerns. There are under U.S. immigration law, if you have been outside of the United States for a year or more on a green card, you've legally abandoned your green card status. You are no longer a green card holder or a permanent resident in the United States. And in order to argue that you've maintained it, there are methods by which you can do that. There's, you can get what's called a returning resident permit, or you'd have to actually go before an immigration judge to argue that you maintained your ties to the United States and you did not abandon your status. And that can be very problematic, especially if you've been gone that long and you don't have a bank account, you don't have a residence, you don't have a legitimate purpose that kept you in Canada that long. It's going to be very hard for you to argue that you maintained your permanent residence status. Right. And a lot of this has to do... Um with the understanding of what the green card is, people aren't aware of what the obligation is. Um, and they aren't aware that when they obtain that status, they really have emigrated to the United States. In the eyes of the immigration authorities, they are now a resident of the U.S. And all their past residences are left behind. So any entries they make to the United States on that green card, they are returning home. They're not just visiting the U.S. So we get calls all the time from people that say, oh, I've had a green card for three years um, and I've, I've spent a few weeks here and there in the United States over the three years on vacation. Well, you weren't really vacationing in the eyes of the immigration authorities. You were living in the U.S. And vacationing in Canada. And vacationing in Canada. For too long. For whatever, a year minus three weeks. 
Um, so you've got to be very careful. And really, when you get that green card, your mindset has to be that now you're a resident of the U.S. Anytime outside the United States is a visit. And I just had a client yesterday actually go to Montreal for their immigrant visa, and they were approved. They got their immigrant oh, visa. Their immigrant visa is now valid for six months. And he will now enter the United States on that immigrant visa. And when he enters the United States, the, he will fill out a form and they will issue him his green card. And in my discussion with every client that I have, when they go through this immigrant visa process, I tell them, once you get that green card, it is now your obligation to live in the United States and you must establish it as your permanent Oh, we residence. even take it a step further and say... It's not from when you receive the green card, because that can take a week or even up to a month after you enter the U.S. It's from your entry to the United States. So that first entry you make on that immigrant visa, this is you are now residence. a resident of the U.S. Um, and so any time you spend outside of the United States at that point in time is going to be considered a visit. You've got to keep that in mind. Yeah. So even though you're still a Canadian citizen, you have obligations as a permanent resident to be in the United States to reside here, if you are if you are of working age, to work here. All of these things apply to you to maintain that permanent resident status. And there are ways to preserve your status if you, if you anticipate being outside of the United States for longer. We say six months. The, the government will tell you a year. Yeah, we're we, very conservative with that. Yeah, and we see things like COVID pop up where your six-month stay turns into a That's year right. and a half. That's right. Yeah, there's a reason we're conservative, and it's because people you know, say, oh, I went, I went back to Pakistan for six months um, to visit or my father had passed away. And in order to take care of his affairs and, and deal with the family situation, I ended up staying there a year and a half um, or somebody else became sick. So if you're planning to leave for a trip of six months or more, it only makes sense to apply for that reentry permit before you leave. So that's what you just mentioned is a reentry permit. So there is a thing called a reentry permit that allows you to preserve your status in the United States. So if you anticipate being outside of the United States for six months or more and you're going to work or school or maybe there's a medical emergency, something that's going to have you outside the United States for six months or even longer, you should obtain what's called a reentry permit prior to departing the United States. And a lot of people don't understand the process of getting a reentry permit. They're in Canada and then they say, hey, I've been here for three or four months or six months or however many months they've been there. And they say, hey, I need a reentry permit. Well, in order to apply, you have to be physically present inside the United States at the time that that reentry permit application is received by U.S. immigration. Not at the time you mail it. You can't mail it from outside of the United States. You have to be physically present. And Typically, it takes about what we say a week for that to be received in and start processing with with immigration. So right. you have to be here in the United States, drop it in the mailbox, wait until it's been physically received and a receipt notice has been issued by the U.S. government before you depart to the United States. If you were not physically present when that case was received by the U.S. government, then your application will be denied. Right. So once you leave the country... Um, and this isn't so much for Canadians, but people may be traveling home to other countries around the world. Or maybe working abroad. We see a it's, lot of people working yeah, outside of the U.S. too. Yeah, outside of the U.S. or overseas. It's it's too late to apply for a reentry permit. At that point, you've left. You would need to return to the United States in Stay order to do that. So week. 
stay for at least a week, and then you could continue on with your visit outside the U.S. But the problem is, I mean, it's easier for Canadians, right? So the problem is if you're overseas, it's a lot harder to come back and, yep. and, and spend a week in the U.S. if you're and in the middle COVID of something. with too, right? Even right. as a Canadian, it could be hard to come back and reapply. True, but under normal conditions, Canadians luckily can just drive across the border, spend a week in the U.S., get it taken care of, and then resume um, their visit in Canada. And that's probably the number one reason we see a, a reentry permit denied is they weren't uh, the person who applied for the reentry permit was not physically present in the United States when that case was received by U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services or USCIS. Now, after it's been received, you can depart the country. There will be a time for you to return, though, because you have to complete what's called a biometrics appointment where they take your fingerprints and they do a photograph. Oh, yeah. But it's a really quick procedure. But you have to be physically present in the United States to do it. So you would depart the United States if, if you have to go back to Canada or wherever it might be. But then within a month, two months at the longest, you're going to have to return to do biometrics. And, and you can't do those in your home country. You can't do those in Canada or overseas. You have to be in the U.S. to complete the biometrics appointment. And there, there are limited exceptions as to when you can do biometrics abroad, but the majority of people can't do it. You have to be physically in the present in the United States when you do it. And at, once you complete that process, then you will receive a, this book, and it looks like a passport book. It's called a reentry permit. It has your photograph in it. it it's and it's really green, nice, too. It is green. <laughs> and it's it's used like a passport. It would be used in conjunction with your green card upon entry to the United States if you've been gone longer than six months to show the border officials that you have permission. This is what this is. It's advanced permission to stay outside the United States longer than is typically permitted right. and the, as a permanent And resident. when it's issued, it's valid for a period of two years. So you could essentially stay outside the United States for a period of up to two years from that point without um, jeopardizing your green card. But keep in mind, even though you have a reentry permit, it doesn't excuse you from maintaining your ties to the United States. You are still supposed to maintain your ties. Right. So bank accounts, if you have a residence, you're supposed to maintain your residence. All of those things are still supposed to be maintained while you're outside of the United States. So the reentry permit just allows the physical presence requirement. It waives that physical presence requirement for whatever purpose it is that you're outside of the United States. And reentry permits can be, they cannot be renewed, but you can get a new one. So at the end of the two-year time period, you'd have to apply for a new one. And in our experience, I think the longest I've ever seen somebody get a reentry permit was five or six years, and then they cut you off. They're saying, yeah, yeah no, you, that's you, need right. to, you need to come here to the U.S. You're, you're outside way too long. So you can do it. We, we would typically say within that first two-year reentry permit, you need to tie up whatever loose ends you have outside of the country and get here. Because every time you're applying for this reentry permit, you're you're pressing your luck, and they could cut you off and say, "Okay, no more reentry permit for you. Come to the United States, where you're going to lose your green card." Right. And what happens? I mean, maybe we want to go over what happens if you do try to enter the United States without a reentry permit after being out for a year or more. So typically, the border officer will ask you, "Well, where have you been? When was the last time you were in the U.S.?" and um, then at that point, they can question whether or not you've maintained your status. Right. And you're leaving the decision up to a border officer at that point. 
and it's in their discretion whether or not they want to admit you to the U.S. as a permanent resident. And then if they decide that they don't want to do that, they can they, pressure you to give up your status right there on the spot. Yep, they'll ask you to relinquish your green card right or there. Ask at you the, if you want to go before an immigration judge to argue why you haven't given it up. And if that happens and you decide not to give your green card up at the border, they'll put you into removal proceedings, which will obligate you to make an appearance in immigration court. Hopefully you would retain an attorney to help you with that and you'll be able to make an argument in front of an immigration judge as to why you should not be, your green card should not be taken away. And in, in, in some cases at that point, you could apply for a reentry permit uh, depending on the situation and overcome that. Or if, let's say, worst case scenario, you've abandoned your green card and you have to give it up, then you have to go through the process all over again to get a green card. And some people aren't able to because the, well, they the, think that, oh, the I, family member, the employer that sponsored them for the green card. don't have the employment anymore. Yeah, the family they don't, member they died. They don't have access to that. And so they then. They got a divorce. Whatever it might be, the circumstance changed and they can't get it again. Right. And so all of that trouble could have been avoided if they'd properly applied for a reentry permit prior to departure. And you don't get any preferential treatment if you've had a green card in the past they don't care you have to start de novo in other words from the beginning to prove that you qualify for a green card i was just at an interview at uh, uscis a couple days ago with a couple that um he's a canadian citizen and she is a u.s citizen and he had his green card or permanent residence many years ago i think back in the 90s and uh, he lived here in the U.S. for a while, and then they returned to Canada because she had a job opportunity there. Um, and they lived and worked there for several years. And on one entry to the United States, the border officer told him, hey, you can't keep this green card anymore. You've been out of the U.S. for a couple of years. So he turned it in at the border. Um, and they, they ended up improperly processing his turning in of the green card. And he ended up getting put into removal proceedings because he wasn't maintaining his status in the United States. He just applied for another green card. They ended up relocating back to the United States after that was all settled. So they um, had to redo the and entire he had process. To re exactly. From scratch. And this time he said it was a lot more complicated than back in the 90s when he did it. Yeah. And it, so this brings up two cases, one that you have right now and one that I have right now that fall into this scenario. One of them is a couple that I have. They've been married for like 40 years. And he said that when he initially got his green card, he just walked into the immigration office here in, in, here in Buffalo, and he said he showed his marriage certificate, and within 30 minutes, they gave him his green card, and he was on his way. Yeah. But then he ended up, they ended up living in Canada, and he, he ended up giving up his green card because he didn't maintain his ties to, to the United States. He wasn't permanently residing here, so he lost that green card. So now he's going through getting the green card again, and it's been almost two years because of COVID for him to get that same green card that he just walked in 40 years ago to get just by showing he was married with his U.S. citizen spouse. And it's a lot different now. And and Christine, the one you have, is the hockey player. He's, he actually used to play in the NHL for the Sabres. And he said that when he got his initial green card, it was much the same. It was back in the, I think the seventies. That's right. And he just walked in with the Sabres coach and some of the Sabres staff. And they said, Hey, this guy's some of his fellow teammates signed some autographs and he was out the door. <laughs> and they just walked in, gave him his green card and he was yeah. gone. Um, but he's, now he's, he's amazed at how much more complicated it is, is nowadays. 
can't just walk in there with your with he your wants pen to ready that. to sign some <laughs> he autographs. Wants to, he but does. They're not he taking does. it. No. So he he is someone of rapport, renown, but that doesn't just waive the process. You you still have to go right. through the process. So back in the day, maybe now, no, you have to go through the process all over again and reprove you qualify. So it's important if you're a lawful permanent resident or green card holder in the United States to know the obligations of being a green card holder. Maintain your ties to the United States. Permanently reside here. Have a residence, a bank account. If there are things that can keep you outside the United States for longer than anticipated, six months or more, you should really think about getting a reentry permit so you don't lose that green card. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Arrive podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and join us next time as we continue to discuss U.S. immigration law topics. Thank you for listening and have a great day.